The sketch comedy program The Kids in the Hall aired in its original run from 1989 to 1995. My strongest memory of the show is a scene where three men are sitting on a roof, gazing at the moon, sharing a bottle of wine. The first man waxes nostalgic on how a similar moon shone on his adolescent romance. The second man composes a poem about the moon's indifference to conflict. The third man says, Gee, I wonder who owns that moon? And this is the Third Strongest Podcast. Hi, welcome to the podcast. The the Third Strongest Podcast. Yeah. And it's about Earthbound. Yeah. And the last time, it's been a while since we recorded, but of course I know exactly where we left off. We had just defeated the police and were now allowed to go to the next town. Because that's what you have to do. Yeah. It's funny. I feel like a few different characters refer to Tucson as the next town, which <laughs> is a thing that you say in America. Yeah. Uh, kind of. The but, next town over. Uh, they, they, there, there seems to be kind of a, a, a superposition of states where they might be referring to it in that sense, or they might be referring to it in the RPG sense. Mm. When you walk down uh, to the road to Tucson where the barricade was, now the cops are much friendlier. And one of them is like, hey, take care of yourself out there or something like that. And um, I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to decide, does this game have like a general anti-cop sentiment? Or uh, does it treat police as people who are bad sometimes and good mm. other times? That's a really good question. Mm. There, I guess we have to... Yeah, there's definitely some negativity there, but it's sort of the same with a lot of adult characters. Yeah. yeah. I, I want to pay more attention to if we get to see more cops later in this game. Yeah. We, We'll see a couple this episode, but like mostly from here on out, there's not. Uh, I guess some, I think there's some in foresight, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, in general, I think that the game has an anti-authoritarian streak, and definitely. so cops are cops are a symbol of adult oppression. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like this unincorporated wilderness that we get to go through here. It's really long. Yeah, there's a lot of walking. Well, the towns aren't right next. They can't be right next to each other. They can't be right next to each other. There has to be a feeling of movement. Yeah. Of adventure. And there aren't any roads here. It's just a trail. Yeah. Yeah. That's weird. That does not match suburbia. It's like small town America stuff. I mean. I I don't know of anywhere in, in anywhere in my understanding of small town America is there just a dirt road through the woods that connects <laughs> one town and the next town over? Sure, but it's there's this fantastical notion that that could be a thing you could do. I guess. Yeah. And I feel like I'm going to bring this up a few times. I think that if this does resemble anything, it resembles like American TV and movies somewhere. Yes, 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 yes. But yes. even then, I don't know what tv or movie depicts towns connected by a dirt road like this it's Mm. utterly alien to me 
it, it could just be the fact that like there's an implied road that we don't see hmm. that a child we is not going to take. It's a That's dirt road. True. Isn't it a dirt road at this part? Mm. I must be thinking of something else. But like, like uh, it, I, it, it stands for there reasons there's probably some kind of paved road. Yeah, the players aren't going to see. It makes sense if it's like a child's conception of how towns work. Could be, yeah. You're kind of like cutting through the woods. (laughs) Yeah. I like that idea that there there is a a paved road somewhere else. Yeah. But for adventure purposes, I'm going to take the twisting track through the woods. And I'm going to pass this very strange house out past the edge of town. Where a bunch of mice live. <laughs> uh, I love these guys. They're very cool. They look cool. They are carrying signs. They're little, uh, they got a little family unit here. And one guy who says, I live rent free in the mouse's house. <laughs> a very good <laughs> so line. So I'm the human, but I'm living rent free here in the house that belongs to mice. It's an inversion of reality. <laughs> I guess so. Wow. <laughs> The music playing in here, this is our first exposure to what, on the soundtrack, uh, or at least the OST as we we receive it, this track is called Zombie Paper, and it will be the music that is used when we see some zombie paper later on. And it's one of my favorite pieces of music in the game. I think this is our first exposure to it. It... Um, it has that like suspicious tuba that I was telling yeah. you about, and I I want to refine my uh, notion of the suspicious tuba that it seems to be associated with trespassing in general. Hmm. Because it it appears in a lot of really benign circumstances where you're just like here I am just in this house. Uh, but <laughs> wait, does this music play in the mouse house? The exit mouse house? I, I think it remember. does. Jeez. I think you're right. I'm imagining the exit mouse house in my head, and I'm like, they can't possibly be playing zombie paper here. <laughs> it's a nice place. No, there's like there's a lot of places it plays. There's there's there are random houses here and there where the tone well, of that the... house is like a little more sinister than it maybe the contents of the house actually are i guess there's the, a lot of just like house seems like it plays where you have you, you have gone somewhere where you're not supposed to go not in a video game sense where you just walk into a house because it's there but in a real world sense of this is not your place this is someone else's house or this is someone else's circus tent (laughs) and it's kind of dangerous for you to be here in like a little kid way yeah i think this plays like in the monotoli building later on yeah yeah just a a creepy creepy place that uh you should maybe beware a little bit even if nothing is specifically going to happen you still should you know exercise a little caution now, on the subject of the soundtrack, where do the track names on that soundtrack come from? Hmm. Like, why? who decided that track is called Zombie Paper? Do we know? I should I know. have looked this up beforehand? It's a good question. You probably should have looked it up. 
Um, I'll figure. I'll worry about it for a later episode. <laughs> I I have speculation, but it's just speculation. Let's talk about exit mice. Yeah, they're little guys. You can treat them as one of your items, <laughs> which is incredible. Um, yeah, no, it's a it's a get out of um, dungeon item. It's your escape rope. It's, it's an your... escape rope mm. in uh, in Pokemon, right? Yeah. Is it's... it also a rope in Dragon Quest? Probably. I've not played Dragon Quest. Okay. Uh, I feel it's... like I used to know this. I feel like I've seen it somewhere else, but I can't remember where. It seems like it being a rope is a fairly common thing. I don't know, like, making it into uh, a mouse is super funny... Not just because this mouse is an item that will get you out of a dungeon, but that it's specifically replacing like a canonical RPG item. Yeah, you get to carry around a lot of fun stuff in this game. Mm-hmm. But in my the Earthbound as she is played by Ryan, I don't have room in my inventory for a mouse. I would rather walk out of dungeons than <laughs> carry this mouse around. So I don't. I guess the exception would be a dungeon much later on where an exit mouse is available within the dungeon. Mm. And that makes sense. Like, if I'm just going to use that right away, then please. That does happen in a few later dungeons. Um, But you can't get a second mouse if you already have one. So if you do what I do and pull the mouse out and realize, oh, I need to get this to Scargo Express because I have too many items that I can't use right now. And then you get in that dungeon and you realize, oh, my, my sister has that mouse. I cannot get another mouse. Now I have to do the walk of shame out of the dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point, I don't have the mouse. Sarah, do you have the mouse? Yeah, of course. Well, actually, okay. I may have sent the mouse to stay with my sister. Well, I hope you don't end up regretting that in yeah. Zach-like fashion. We'll see. So there's It's some, a very long road. There's some new enemies on the way here. Yes. Mm. And they don't, I guess at this point we haven't seen plants enemies, so this is like a new archetype of enemy. Yeah. <laughs> Where there's just little sprouts and little mushrooms on your trail that you might be in harvest mood mode and go, oh, I need to go pick those. <laughs> uh, no, this game pre, this game predates harvest moon, right? I yeah. Harvest moon was like 96. It was like a later SNES game. Well, you already, you're, you're going back and you're playing this retroactively. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I need to collect those mushrooms. Mm-hmm. And uh, the mushroom attacks you. Yeah, it walks around. On cute little feet. <laughs> the design of the mushroom walking around on those little feet is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Uh, you got rambling evil mushrooms and mobile sprouts. And the mushrooms can give you the mushroomized condition. They can scatter spores and make you feel funky. And that puts a mushroom on your head. It's great. That is the confused condition from RPG. Well, no, because the game has another confused condition. So this is the secondary confused condition that is one that persists, persists out of fights. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's also the, the game helpfully misspells it as mushroomization, <laughs> which I'm yeah. enamored with. That feels like a typo that the translator made that he then looked at and said, you know what? No, this is good, actually. Yeah, mm. could be. 
and outside of battle you have a mushroom on your head and then it can eventually mess up your controls but it doesn't do this right away yes brilliant (sighs) it's so frustrating (laughs) it's the worst but it's so much fun to watch someone else do it I think that this was the first time I got mushroomized on the way to Tucson. And I was able to return to the hospital before I got my controls messed up. I feel like I haven't gotten my controls messed up in a long time because I'm so good at this game. (laughs) But it is fun. And I remember being very satisfied at figuring out, oh, I'll just hold the controller like this Mm -hmm. and now I can do it normally. So that's a good, uh, that's a very good stuff. But then as soon as you get comfortable, it switches again. Ah! Oh no! It's I really... got mastermized <laughs> this time. Yeah. And this kind of answers my question about why is there a hospital in Onet? Mm, yeah. Because it turns out that you actually need that faith healer guy. Yeah, this yeah. is a good bit too. This is great because... Otherwise, you have to, for for the other three conditions, I think, that the healer can contend with, you have to pay him. Mm-hmm. But him and a few other NPCs in the game, if they notice you have the mushroom on your head, are like, hey, I'll give you 50 bucks for that. Which, why couldn't I just take it off my own head then? Hmm. Maybe you just can't take it off your own head. You need someone to help you. Cordyceps. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's good. The, (laughs) any NPC paying you to relieve your status condition is amazing. It is. It's really funny. It's like, it, I remember the first time this happened and I, it, it just struck me as like, I mean, it was very exciting because you're like, you just went through like, you know, a very difficult journey with a mushroom on your head Mm -hmm. and you're expecting to pay for it which makes it worse so it's such a like uh uh, it's yeah it's nice (laughs) it's a treat yes a treat and yeah and it's also kind of funny because it subverts what you expect you're gonna have to do it when you say you expect to pay money for it it makes me realize that it almost can be construed as like incorrect like the if you imagine a much more serious RPG, the economy of benefits and costs and risks and stuff, like it just doesn't make sense. It makes the game like too easy if mm. you do this kind of thing. But if you don't care about any of that, <laughs> if you don't need the game to be balanced, then you can just do goofy nonsense. Mm. And it's funny. <laughs> yeah. And fun. Yeah. More fun than being balanced. True. But I propose that after like 26 minutes of this podcast, we actually walk all the way to the end of the road and immerse into the next town. Yeah. We get through and the trees shift hue. The yes. background music changes to a song. Hold that... on. Hold on. Got to talk about the trees. Okay. The, the trees and the grass, the palette changes very slightly. And it's such an unnecessary change. It's really subtle, hmm. but it's like, it's great. Yeah, they do a good it, job. It almost of... implies that time is passing, almost. Mm, like it's the sun setting or something? Yeah. Either the sun, I was going to say like the leaves changing color oh. as we go from like, I don't know, August to September. But 
It, I, I mean, and obviously that's not what's happening in the game. And obviously it's not that the sun is setting in the game, but yeah, just, just the idea that, oh, well, things have changed and maybe I'm in another place or maybe I'm in another stage. Mm-hmm. A yeah, time it, stage. The game does a very good job of giving each town you go to like a what's the word like a like a visual and audio identity mm-hmm. yeah in a way that I, pr- primarily because you know that the game is about going to the towns mm-hmm. this is not a game with a big overworld that you're just like dipping back into the towns in order to like check in and do what you got to do then go back into the wilderness like the game exists to go town to mm-hmm. town and it is very much benefited by giving each town a specific identity in this way. Yeah. Beyond like the stuff you're doing there, just like mm-hmm. each one exists as a separate entity and that makes it more rewarding to go yeah, from place to place and like creates bigger demarcations mm-hmm. in your journey. Yeah, it feels like you're making progress. And it contributes to the like episodic nature. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, it's kind of like a movie. Or a TV show. Episodic. (laughs) Well, movies can be episodic. And so can this game, Earthbound. Welcome to the third strongest podcast. Zach, you said something about the music? Um, My memory is that this specific music comes up more later in the game. Or am I thinking of the Foresight song? Hmm. (laughs) Um, I didn't take notes on this part, folks. I think that in the credits music, this gets quoted as well as Foresight. And Foresight, of course, is a rearrangement of a tune from Mother, right? No. Foresight's an original composition. Hmm. Oh, then Foresight gets quoted somewhere else. Anyway. What? Are you serious about Foresight? Yeah. Okay. I tell you what, I'm replaying Earthbound Beginnings right now. I will check yeah, back in. Yeah, you would mm-hmm. know. Although I'm not at the part that it would be referencing yet, but I don't know. I'm pretty sure it doesn't. We'll have a check in with this later. I guess. Oh, but also I wanted to talk about, uh, we're in a new town. There's some new enemies that are bounding around. This is where we start to get more, uh, like blue-faced people mm. and as Which usual a... there's a mole telling you exactly what you're about to find out or just found out yes which is that enemies look like humans with weird colored faces good advice but you you may already know that at this point i don't i guess i've they're... never seen any of those humanoid enemies spawn up in that corner of yeah. the town. Yeah, I guess you'll find out very shortly. <laughs> yeah. But you get, uh, returning from on it, you get the cop, who usually has yeah. little dog helpers, which is cute. Mm. <laughs> there's a lady. There's a drunk man who they have to signal, they cannot signal as drunk. So they do it obliquely. Mm. What's the, the lady called? Uh, I almost said bag lady, but that's what it—that's not what it is. Because the mm. there's the annoying party man, drunk guy. Yeah. There's I Cranky think it's lady. he's called crooked cop, cranky lady. There yeah. you go. Um, the cop is just cop, the cop is just is cop. He, 
Crooked Where Cop is, he? is Crooked Cop in the uh, player's guide. Oh. Okay. Uh, there's the unassuming local guy. Yeah. It's a fantastic <laughs> And there's the name. new age yes. retro hippie. What a, what an ensemble. The hippie. Well, and it's going along with uh, like Ramblin' Evil Mushroom. I think that in all of these uh, enemy names, they're really taking advantage of how big the text boxes yeah. are. They can make these names as ridiculous as they want. And then again, that turns the combat sequence into a comedy sketch mm. as you just get to see these goofy names and the goofy things these people mm-hmm. do. Like brushing their teeth so that their teeth are so bright and shiny that it does a status effect. Or getting out a ruler so that they can <laughs> measure things. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. I know that the ruler is an item that you can use uselessly in battle yeah can you get the toothbrush yeah can't you i think so i don't remember where you can get it i believe you can get a toothbrush in this video game yeah i don't know where either there are all kinds of weird useless items yeah this is a game of excess in that way at the drugstore i guess i didn't check all the shops (laughs) you're too power gaming you're like oh i really was power gaming here in tucson (laughs) And just going straight through the critical path and missing a bunch of mm. important details. Yeah. I went on autopilot, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, let's see. There, I've got a lot of notes just about just fun things to do in Tucson. Uh, if you go into the hotel, yeah, uh, there's a businessman. Yeah. Who you can talk to about 20 times. Uh, and, and each time you talk to him, you get a different, very short, snippy answer. Uh, in an incredible bit where if you talk to him finally enough, he will be annoyed and say, here, kid, go get a drink or something and hands you $50. Awesome. When you say a businessman, he's, yeah, he's a guy with glasses and a suit. He's this archetypical. In a hotel. And he has 50 bucks to spare for a kid. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to analyze any of these dollar amounts <laughs> signifying yeah, anything specific um but it reminds me of the kids in the hall and how that show was really obsessed with the idea of a businessman uh as this just like a stock character or a weird entity out there Businessmen hmm. are these things that populate the world. And hmm. do they have personalities? I don't think so. I think they're just suits who walk hmm. around and make deals with each other. Earthbound kind of seems to be in the same wheelhouse. Hmm. I wonder how much connective tissue I can sew between <laughs> this game and Kids in the Hall. Well, it is Pro- a very kids perspective. As a... Kids in the Hall is not, though. <laughs> yeah. I bet you could construe some stuff. They're both, you know, works from a similar era. We'll see if I can from different From different perspectives, but I bet you could find some more connective tissue. I really like uh, the, the, like, kinesthetic aspect of just, like, talking to somebody over and over and getting a different mm. response every time. Yes. Is, like, delightful. It, in a In a RPG... There's two things in Tucson that achieve 
like a sensation of feeling good to play on a controller, which is not something mm. you really get from an RPG outside mm, of like, yeah. you know, you have like Super Mario RPG where you're doing like timed hits. Mm-hmm. Like that's you're a way jumping you're, around. You're jumping around. Like there's an immediate feel there. But mm-hmm. in this like Dragon Quest X RPG, trying to find ways to make it fun to touch the controller mm. is impressive. And yeah. this yeah. is like a minor way of doing that where it's like, oh, every time I'm talking to this guy, I'm getting a different response. I'm hitting the button mm-hmm. and it's doing a different thing every time. And this is exciting as a kid. Yeah. 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 It's really or rewarding. There's another one in Tucson that I want to talk about really bad. Mm. So we got to go what to the bike shop real quick. It's right okay. next door. Uh, the bike shop is Hold called. Hold on. Oh. You can't get in the bike shop yet because okay. a guy is going to fall down from the sky and interrupt you. Oh, man. <laughs> I think this is excellent comic timing. Because, remember, we we did talk about the photo man at the Beak Point house, but that's not your first time through Onet. Your first time through Onet, you get your picture taken at your house, and then you play the game for an hour, an hour and a half, and that photo man appears to have been just a one-off joke. Mm -hmm. And I think it's extremely well-placed how he interrupts you for the second time here. And you realize that this is going to keep happening. <laughs> because yeah. he he could have done that as you come out of Giant Step or as you come out of the uh, the police station or after you beat Frank and it would have been too early. It would have shown their hand mm. too soon. But instead they did it in two Sun. Mm-hmm. It's really truly like they didn't try and meter out these appearances by like milestones in the game mm-hmm. they really feel like they said what places in the game would make cool photographs hmm. yeah 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 or uh, i i want to make the case that it might be what places in the game might you forget what perspective to have on this game mm, yes yeah. if Real- you're doing something really tedious or if like things have gotten too serious mm-hmm. then the photo man can show up and you're like, all right, this game is really funny. It's reorienting the player a little bit. Yes, absolutely. Okay, now can I go inside a puncture? Yeah, yeah, sure. Which is a really good pun. Happy happy to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, the man in here will loan you a bicycle if you answer his questions correctly. <laughs> um, the bicycle in this game is kind of useless. Yes. Um, because you can only ride it by yourself, not when you have party members, not when you're dragging a teddy bear behind you, um, and it's kind of unruly. Yeah. Like you can't, you have to get off it every time you want to talk to somebody. It's kind of it increases the size of your sprite, so you're bumping into stuff a mm-hmm. lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, which is really funny because this ends up becoming a thing that carries over to Pokemon, where the bike in Pokemon is like extremely useful. Hmm. Um. But what this game has for its bicycle that no Pokemon game has ever done as far as I know uh, yeah, is that you can press the R button on the controller <laughs> to ring the bell. Yes. yes. This is incredible. It's um, all worth okay. it. It's like, I remember as a kid, the first time I held a Super Nintendo controller and coming from playing an NES and playing like a bunch of old like ColecoVision or Atari or whatever, like games that didn't have controllers with a lot of buttons. The Super Nintendo controller 
always felt like it had too many buttons. Mm, yeah. Which is like a really novel thing now where like controllers have even more than that. And it's like, <laughs> oh, great. I've got all these buttons. It's fantastic. I'm, I'm in my 30s and playing games. I need all these buttons. <laughs> but like as a child, it felt like wrong that you had all these other buttons. Why do I have so many? I don't need all these. And like the game devs must have also felt somewhat similar especially when you're yeah. programming an RPG where you don't really need that many buttons. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And to look at the controller layout and then just say, for our video game, the only thing the R button is going to do is ring that bell. <laughs> yes. It's just an incredible choice. I'm like floored by that. I was floored by it then, and I'm like even more floored in retrospect about how cool of a decision that was. Yeah, very cool. Well, I wouldn't want to frame it as like a decision where this is what are we going to do with the R button well it will ring the bell it seems to me more we have no, we'll just ignore the R button and then when we put in this bicycle we have the freedom to say i, I the R button could do something the R button mm -hmm. could ring the bell yeah uh the because again that like there is no like like perfectly smooth design that they need to stick to they can just add dumb little things at each juncture. Yeah. They and the, the fact that it ended up there, just I, I'm so enchanted by this. It's awesome. Um, and yeah, other games with... I'm passionate about bicycles and video games, and I can't think of any other ones that let you ring the bell. I'm sure there are, but I couldn't think of a Pokemon one. I don't think they Pokemon's gone there. I don't even know if you get bikes in Pokemon anymore. Now you just ride Pokemon, which is also <laughs> oh, yeah. good. I guess. I like bikes better than Pokemon. Um, also, it has its own music. Yes. Oh, and it's a good song, too. Yeah. Good. It's a good biking song. Unfortunately, I can't spare the inventory space for a bike, so I didn't bother getting a bike. Oh, that again. also ended up in my sister's. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is the first time, playing through this time, it's the first time I realized you can return the bike. I thought you just had to, like hold on to it or put it away and and uh yeah i might never have seen that actually hmm huh yeah you can just return it and then pick it up again um i guess what i wanted to bring up with bikes is i really want them to add bikes to animal crossing that seems like a gimme right mm. i feel like when i played a lot of new horizons we talked about how Welcome to our Animal Crossing sidecast. Um, the next Animal Crossing game will have to just kind of have a big open wilderness area for you to, like, manipulate. And Probably, yeah. And, like, you could put bikes in that. Yeah. Vehicles of some kind. And a free camera. Give me the free camera <laughs> Animal Crossing. Now you're, now you're out, of, out of line. How am I going to see? I, 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 but there's if there's a big wilderness area, then I need free camera to see around the trees. I know you're right, but I hate it. <laughs> um, well, shut up. <laughs> Make me. Ah, uh, wish I had more to say about <laughs> Sarah. You have to intervene. <laughs> if you return the bike, the guy at the bike store says, "Look how low your seat is. You must have short legs." And then he says. <laughs> <laughs> it really made me laugh because I've never great. seen that before. And then he says, I mean, I'm going to call you stubby legs. And then the next time you walk in, he says stubby legs. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. That was fun I to do find. Think, 
every game kind of has the thing where the first section has a lot of cute details like this and then those get sparser and sparser as you go along yeah we're almost like now that we're in the second town i feel like we're kind of too far we're into the place where there shouldn't be so many of those good details but i think they might still like taper off as we go ahead but now i'm thinking of things later in the game that qualify i guess we'll keep keep an eye out for cute little unnecessary details i feel like you know because we're so town focused it it takes until we start actually not getting to towns anymore before we start to lose that a little bit Mm -hmm. good point uh Um, this town has something that i pretended the last town had but it was wrong they have a mall they have a department store oh yeah already mall it has escalators that's my notes yeah it's a big city (laughs) uh it's really cute to have to go on an escalator and then you're like off the map for a second and Mm. then you're back on the map Hmm. um yeah the length of the escalators and the way that they uh, you're talking about having the black background on the escalators yeah that's really clever Hmm. and i mean if you presented those escalators in a more realistic way having it be up against the top wall and then um another you know the other floor is just further up on the same map Mm -hmm. you would that would be a much more efficient use of your map space and so it almost feels like decadent in a programming sense you know to have all this empty unused space on your map just to make things feel expansive yep that's true just like the weird extra parts of town an nes game wouldn't be able to get away with all the empty space let's see what else is going on up here at the north of town there's a guy in a convertible uh for the first time and you can walk up and talk to the man in the convertible and he praises you for walking around he's like oh it's healthy (laughs) good on you uh, in some nearby houses, we get the beginnings of, like, the next two plot threads, which you can find other places in, uh, throughout the Tucson, but I want to mention them here, because you find a house where, uh, there's just some kids, or there's, like, a kid, and, like, their parents went to go join the Happy Happy Cult. Yep. Mm-hmm. What's that about? Something that you abandon your kids for seemingly dark we also start to hear about how the tunnel to threed is haunted oh, that yeah. can't be true <laughs> definitely it's not, not that kind of game <laughs> <laughs> i guess so um, we'll see. and also up here is the hospital oh there's which some good stuff almost identical to the onet hospital but there's a guy upstairs who says he left something, I think he says something good, in the Threed Hospital. He can't go back and get it because the tunnel is full of ghosts. Uh, so... Mm. Probably nothing. Probably, probably, probably nothing. Probably not very significant. <laughs> um, there's like... I When I was going through the hospital this time, I ran into some very good lines that I want to do my segment where I just say really good lines from mm-hmm, the game. Mm-hmm. 
there is a nurse who, when you talk to her, says, my shot didn't hurt. I'm sure everybody's talking about it, but don't <laughs> worry about me. <laughs> Which is just... Do in... we take that to mean that she screamed or something when she got a shot? I guess. People are talking about how she had a shot and it hurt. And yeah. she's now explaining to this complete stranger, this patient, I guess... Like, whatever you hear, don't worry about it. That's not true. I'm fine. I'm very strong. Or she thought that she reacted in a way that indicated it hurt and was trying to hide it. Mm. And she's, like, overcompensating. Or she's just very... Anyways, great line. Um, mm-hmm. There's a line on a sign that says, to recover or not depends on luck. Believe in your luck. Believe in your doctor also. The doctor believes in his luck. (laughs) (laughs) And then finally, again, like I, 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 I'm stuck seeing this in terms of games with much less memory and much smaller screens. The fact that this game is able to get away with just a, a joke like that that goes on and on and is like twice as long as it needs to be. You know what I mean? I'm honestly just thrown by how many jokes are in this game that, like, I have not seen. Because yeah. they pack jokes in every single spot they possibly can. Uh, and they have the room it's for in every it. Sing- it. Yeah, they have the room for it. The what's the, What interacts with that is how sprawling the map is. Mm-hmm. Even if you're trying to go all over the place and see everything, it's not practical because there's so many weird out-of-the-way places. There's one last one here, and I don't have the actual line, but there is a man who says he's in the hospital because he had an argument. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, man, same. Um, um, doesn't he say, I, I got in an argument with my friend about happy-happyism? No. Not when I... Or maybe I was supposed to talk to him twice, but I didn't mm. get that. Oh, maybe he did. I, I don't think remember. that's the guy. Because this is the guy who is staring out the window, and you talk yeah. to him, and you say, he says, I got in an argument with my friend about happy happyism. Okay. Huh. And when you walk away, he waits a beat before he turns back out the window, uh. which is very, like, I think every NPC has the potential to have a default orientation, you know? Yeah. Uh, but that technique is used to great effect here. Wow. Anyway, thank you for indulging my uh, comedy minute. Uh, There is a sign kind of near here heading back into town that says, if you have time to read this, go to the Chaos Theater immediately. Good advertising. Let's not go to the Chaos Theater. No. (laughs) We're going to have to talk about it eventually, but maybe we should come back to it. I don't think that's a thing for this episode, partly Mm. because I didn't research it for this episode. Me neither. Yeah. I I did see it. I I guess I'm heading uh, further south. I saw a house where tried to go in the house. The person inside says, "Hey, if you're looking for Venus's house, it's the one that's next door." Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I go into the one that's next door. I'm like, I guess this is Venus's house, and uh, Venus isn't there. Whoever that is, uh, a lady is there who says that her daughter is now performing under a, a, an assumed name, Vane something. I think Venus's mom has a unique sprite. Hmm. 
Oh, can that be right? I, I I'm trying to remember oh. if this sprite shows up anywhere else, but I can't. If it does, I don't remember where. You might have something there. We better we better keep an eye out. Mm-hmm. I will. I will. I will. Okay. Uh, Momentary. Oh, good. That's a bit of foreshadowing that is not useful at all and will only pay off in a long time. And it's like, it's that kind of, I, I shouldn't even call it foreshadowing because it really amounts to just cohesion of setting that there would yeah. be someone who knows about something in a later town. Mm-hmm. So I like that a lot. Yeah. There were a couple of uh, things from the department store that we didn't talk about that I thought were amusing. Let's okay, go back. we'll go back to the, to the department store. <laughs> Just like mosey back over there. Well, first of all, that's where you first get the teddy bear. So that's worth talking oh, about. Oh, yeah. Because um, if you haven't run into one yet, it's a very good thing to have. And then you get to walk down the escalator with a teddy bear, which is mm-hmm. fun. Um, but also, I really like the dude with the sunglasses, like the big muscle dude in the front who's talking about homesickness. And he tells you oh, yeah. advice about how you'll feel better if you call your mom on the phone and then your homesickness will go away. That's like also that very good. Yeah. I really thought you were going to bring up the woman next to the guy who sells a teddy bear on the top floor who... I forget what's in her store. I think it's like a cold remedy and something. Maybe she's the one who sells a teddy bear. And I didn't have teddy, teddy bear money on me at the time. Mm. And so I said, actually, I'm not buying anything. And she said, so are you really here just to say hi? What a loser. <laughs> so so that's my favorite. People NPC. in this town are not very nice sometimes. She and she's the same sprite as the woman on the first floor who uh, like handles returns for the thing. And I think it's the same sprite as like the parking cop, parking meter mm. cop, uh, who always reminds me of, speaking of Harvest Moon, the nerdy Harvest Moon bachelorette uh, who likes bugs. Hmm. This specific NPC design is very Peanuts. Uh, yes, quite a bit. <laughs> there's yeah. a lot that are peanuts in this game. Yeah. Jeez, that's a good point. The guy in the mouse house. Yeah. Yeah. With the dust cloud around him. Yep. <laughs> Pigpen. That's yeah. a much stronger connection than the kids in the hall, definitely. Mm. Uh, I like homes- anyway. Oh, I like homesickness. Yeah, this is right around when you would get homesick, I guess. If you haven't talked to your mom recently. I I feel like it happened in Tucson. It didn't happen to me. It's it's very unpredictable. Hmm. I have a superstition that if you call home while you're not homesick, then that invites the status condition onto you. Oh, wow. I think that happened to me once. And so I never do it anymore. Hmm. I'm fairly certain it is entirely random. Okay. Um, That's what I would expect. But and that calling doesn't like w- there's not like a timer that yeah, you yeah. reset by calling. Uh, so it doesn't even matter if you call if you're not homesick already. I believe that's the case. Hmm. But it does feel good to do. Yeah, it does. It's a nice convo. No, I'm not no? going to fall for that. 
I am trying, trying to trick to, me. I am trying to trick Ryan specifically right now. So. Yeah. Oh. Well, he didn't fall for it. I like homesickness better than asthma. As <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. The 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 character specific status condition. I think homesickness is a really evocative character trait for Ness. Yeah. And asthma is evocative in its own way, but not as compelling. Yeah. It's, it, it is, it's asthma in Earthbound Zero is what we're talking ah, about here. For... Okay. Oh, sorry. I was, that. yeah, I was yeah. thinking that must be it. In Earthbound Zero, you have to that. carry inhalers with you. Wow. Yeah, that's just a different character trait, I guess. Um, is there a corresponding... Is there homesickness in Mother 3? No. Is there anything like that? Not really. Okay. There's just literal, actual despair. Yes. Uh, different different kind of game. You've yeah. grown up a little bit. I thought I had. <laughs> um, speaking of phones, it was around this time that Dad called me on the receiver phone before I had received the receiver phone. He just gave me a call to say I'd been playing video games too long. Hmm. Uh, and I mean... That's because I'm playing it on the Switch, and so it doesn't know that I'm actually stopping playing oh. the game every so often. Hmm. You gotta do those hard saves. What happens if your Switch battery dies? Good point. No. My That's Switch a... is always in its dock. <laughs> I'm playing on the TV. But it does break immersion. Uh, yes, it, it broke my immersion real bad. I'm like, how is dad calling me? <laughs> yeah. Where is this phone buzz coming from? It actually does that in Earthbound Zero as well. And the, wow. Oh, yeah? You do not have a receiver phone in that game. So it's like even more That's immersion good. breaking. Hmm. I still... Uh, I I feel like there's a ton of stuff to say about dad in this game. We gotta and segment that off. I think. We gotta have yeah. a dad episode. We have to have a dad episode <laughs> because there's nowhere good to talk about it, and I'm not prepared to talk about it now. Uh, okay, thanks. we got some other people to talk about right now. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. There's a a set of inventors that live in this town. Uh, there are two of them, but I like to consider a different one a third. Um, because there's we're gonna talk about Apple Kid and Orange Kid here in a second. But back up north in the north side of Tucson, there's a like, little girl that's all yellow who says she wants to become an inventor. So in my head, I'm mm. like, oh, that's Lemon Kid. Wow. Okay. <laughs> that's not anything that's entirely fanfic, but I think it's cute. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's true. Uh, in my Earthbound Round hack, is... Lemon Kid is an important character. Uh, I thought you were going to say the Rasta guy who sells fixable junk. Hmm. Although, if he were an inventor, then he would not be trying to pawn off this invent-worthy merchandise on other people. So I think he's more of an invent-enabler. I thought you were going to say the mouse. Apple Kid's friend, the mouse. Mm. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Let's talk about Orange Kid first. There's two inventors in town, and the townsfolk will talk about them, and they love orange kid 
They love this guy. He's so cool. He's so hot right now. He's so hot right now. <laughs> uh, he lives in an orange house. And you can go in and talk to him, and he's got cool glasses. He says greetings as you approach, which is like a thing that has borne itself into my brain as a thing to how you greet people when you're talking in text a lot of times. I still say greetings to people online because of this. Wow. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah, because you're going to sound pompous. Like, like a dweeb. Like this orange kid guy who sucks. Yeah, it turns out, like spoiler him. alert, that he sucks. People like him, but it's because he's a flashy pretty boy. Mm, it's the glasses. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's the curse of boys with glasses that they're beloved. <laughs> That's right. Plus, he says how cool he is all the time. It's hard <laughs> not to believe it. He's got a brand. Yeah. More than, like, a lot of other people in the game. Yeah. And... He is looking for some funds to fund his experiments, and you can give him some money. And he will, in return, give you the Super Orange Machine, or Suporma, for the purposes of fitting it in your inventory. So cool. And you can use the Suporma, and it will play the song Ode to Orange Kid, and then immediately break and leave your inventory. Mm. <laughs> Very good. And how much does that cost you? <laughs> it's, a, uh, it's, it's the same amount for both of them, right? Correct. So you get It's like 200 That's right. Yeah, it's so much at that point. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> also, again, a weird... oh, I okay. feel bad for power gaming because I just never pay any attention to Orange Kid. Yeah. He's, he's, a, a, he's not on my radar, even though he in the actual game as it's meant to be played forms an important part of the joke. I should also mention that I just remembered uh, that for decades, the uh, version of the Earthbound font you could find online was called Orange Kid. Wow. Hmm. Um, I remember that too. I don't think that's the one that's used anymore. I think somebody made a better one and I don't know what it's called. Hmm. It's a good name for it. I like to think that he just uh, yeah. like got there first and was like, ah, I'm just going <laughs> to. Yeah. I think actually that Orange Kid was like the main font and then Apple Kid was another font of like something that's smaller. I'm oh, gonna... maybe because there is like a smaller text font in the game. Uh, am I thinking of like what it uses for your names in like the combat screen and the status boxes at the bottom? Probably. Okay. Yeah. Well, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Orange Kid, classic important character. But of course, he exists only to serve as contrast to Apple Kid, who's like a real thing. But nobody likes Apple Kid. Um, I like Apple Kid. Well, yeah. Because he's cool. He's cool. But... You go into Apple Kid's house, there's a big pile of junk on the floor. He talks about how he hasn't cleaned up in a while. He hasn't showered recently, so he may be kind of stinky. This game loves pointing out when things are stinky. Mm. Uh, the the advertising for the game about how this game stinks and really focusing on all the smells in the game hmm. doesn't like really accurately describe how much smell 
orientation there is to the game. But like relative to all other games, this might be the most olfactory one. Hmm. Anyway, he asks for before he asks for money, he asks if you have any food to spare. I did. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. I gave him a burger. Um, he will accept a ketchup packet. Really? <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. Poor guy. Oh my gosh. And uh, then he says, "By the way, could I have two hundred dollars for my research?" And I almost thought I, I was being very uh, naive in the moment as I thought, oh, the reason he asks you for a food is to make sure you have an inventory slot for the thing that it gives you. Mm. But in fact, if you don't have the money, then you have to leave and possibly fill up your inventory uh, <laughs> and come back. Uh, give him you give him two hundred dollars because he's a good guy, but he doesn't have anything cool to give you. Instead, after you give him the two hundred dollars, a mouse walks in front of the door to block your way out. And this mouse has one of the best lines, which is, "I'm a mouse. No one has given me a name yet." <laughs> and the mouse gifts you with. The receiver phone. If you have the inventory space. If you have the inventory space. If not, then you can't leave the house to, like, sell anything. You must, like, get rid of something. Mm, so I, I hope you he... don't... Is that true? What? Is that true? I thought he would get out of the way for you. Oh, you yeah. To... I think he does get out of the way, doesn't Is that... He? I feel like that happened to me this I don't really time. remember. Okay. I believe he well, will get out of the way for you. Because you can yeah. get in here and you can also fill up your inventory with the... Um, Oh machine. yeah, because there's a there's a broken machine here you can take and then give to your sister immediately. Huh. Huh. Uh, but the mouse is a pivotal character in the game. Yes, important mouse. But he gives you the receiver. Nope. The receiver phone. It's like a cell phone that only takes calls. Yes. Because it is 1990x and nobody has cell phones. They haven't been invented yet. They. They have cell phones, but they are strange objects. Mm-hmm. I think we need to consider carefully the historical context where the idea of a portable telephone or like a car phone um, did exist, but they were treated as, I don't know what the modern equivalent would be. It's like what iPads were in 2006. Now you understand. <laughs> Thinking back. They um, were they were definitely exotic. I remember my mom yeah. briefly had a car phone. Hmm. And it was like this weird, unruly, giant hunk of plastic that really wasn't right. actually that useful. So she only had yeah. it for a little while. And Zach Morris had a cell phone on Saved by the Bell. There is a lot of car phone action, and it's maybe some, like, actual cellular telephone action on Seinfeld. Uh, But, like, yeah, because they're so exotic and you kind of only know how they work by reputation or based on what you've seen on TV, uh, it makes sense that, besides the, like, actual technical limitations of phones in this game, uh, it kind of makes sense that a phone that 
only receives calls. I mean, they had those in real life for a hot minute, didn't they? Probably. Is that what the cricket was? No, the cricket, you could set it to only dial certain numbers. Okay. Anyway, it only receives calls because we can't, we can't let you save anywhere in the game. That would be nonsense. Yeah. You can only save at designated save locations. There are phones with cords that allow you to escape the matrix. That's right. So that's what's going on here for now. We can do a couple quick hits, I think, and then go to the actual plot that we're avoiding for an hour. What quick hits have we got left? There's uh, Mock Pizza. pizza. Okay. You can finally get the number for Mock Pizza. She says, and then gives you the phone number. Uh, so you can get pizza delivered. You can only get small and large pizzas delivered. They do not carry mediums for delivery. It's very funny. Sure. <laughs> Um, I guess we can come back to the bus station later. Uh, I, yeah, there's, there's stuff to talk about the bus and like the road out of town, but we'll worry about that on a different episode. Yeah, let's go to the plot. I'm dying to go to yeah. the plot. So there's a preschool in town that we previously heard about. If you talk to, this like, isn't even what I'm talking about. Oh, that's not the plot I want to go to. Fine. Let's go to the preschool. I'm going to do it in this order for specific reasons, I think. Okay. Uh, there's a preschool here. It's Polestar Preschool. Um, the girl in Onet called it Polar Star. Yeah. Oh. There's a cat up on the roof that looks like a marquee, but is actually just a sleeping cat. And <laughs> at the very end of the game, you see the cat awake walking around. And it like tripped me up the first time I saw Whoa, interesting. <laughs> uh, everybody is looking for Paula. Yep. Who's gone missing. But not everybody knows this. Uh, yeah, it's strange. Because, Paul- like, outside of her house, I feel like three or four different people will say Paula has been kidnapped. But inside the preschool, they kind of notice she's missing, but they aren't really concerned. Specifically, Paula's dad seems to be just not aware. Hmm. Because when you say that you want to talk to her and you tell him that you're not one of those vultures from TV, um, he will go upstairs like he's expecting to find her in her bedroom. And he's, she's not. She's missing. Uh-oh. Where's Paula? Well, I talked to several people in town who told me where Paula is, but... Um, I, I'm still solving a mystery. I mean, in Zach's version, I don't know yet. Also, in Paula's bedroom, among her possessions, is a teddy bear you can steal. Get yeah. that free teddy bear. Don't don't spend money on a teddy she bear. She would want you to have it. Yeah. yeah. So after you do this, and Paula's dad is, like, bothered by the fact that she's missing, you can go sleep at a hotel again. And oh, yeah. You get another psychic message from Paula, who mentions that she hears the sound of running water. She's like, mm. I don't know where I am. There's running water. Um, This is so Twin Peaks. Yeah. When you exit the hotel, so, so specifically if you go stay at the Tucson Hotel. Yeah, yeah. And then 
exit, you get like a really rare cutscene of Paula's dad running through the streets, like going like, Paula, where are yeah. you? I made you pie. And he runs off screen. <laughs> yeah, that was so weird. I forgot about that completely. And then he'll be standing outside the preschool and you can talk to him and he mentions Everdread. So oh, okay. if you've ignored every yelling else pointing you towards Everdread, this is your like big hint. All mm-hmm. right. That's why I wanted to do it in this order. Mm. All right. The, I should mention the kids at the Polestar preschool are really cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's the one that's like, I'm not a child. Do not speak to me as if I'm a child. And he finishes with, I beg your pardon. <laughs> it's very good. <laughs> and uh, one of them says that, or maybe this is the kid in Onet who calls it the Polar Star Preschool, who says that Paula does magic. Is that a kid in here? Or am I remembering that from Onet? I think that's from Onet. Okay. Um, it's interesting because, like, the the fact that these characters have psychic powers and referring to them as psychic powers, I don't think comes up much in the game. It's just that they're the, the names have PSI in them Mm. and that they use psychic points. But the idea that, you know what I mean? Ness doesn't end up being like, it's only post earthbound that we think of, a psychic kid is like this kid in a baseball cap. He doesn't do anything that characterizes him as a psychic kid. Paula has visions and can mm-hmm. do telepathy and that kind of thing. She is like a, an esper as they're depicted pre nineties. Um, but Ness doesn't really have that. Mm-hmm. And the game isn't in a rush to say, wow, Ness, you have psychic powers. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like they're just using that, out of some adherence to like, oh, well, this is a modern setting. We're not allowed to put yeah, magic yeah. in it. Right. Yeah. There's a sense of obligation more than like it necessarily being a stylistic thing in some ways. Though they occasionally hit on that, but not yeah. as often as you would expect. Um, The distress that Paula's dad feels and... Uh, the the way that Paula's dad like finds out that Paula is missing in a you know that really uh, cinematic way, uh, it's making me think of the way um, Paula as Laura Palmer and her dad as Leland Palmer, um, you know, just being like completely distraught over the disappearance of his daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, that might be, especially since we're still in the part of the game where a bunch of the, inter- the internal names of NPCs are Twin Peaks characters. I wonder if Paula is supposed to be a Laura Palmer character to some extent. Yeah, it definitely feels similar. At this that point, at least. That never occurred to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know what? There's going to be more stuff to lean in that direction. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay. Um... Let's go to Everdread then. If Everdread knows what's going on, let's solve the mystery. Yeah, he's very suspicious. He does like live in a place called Berglund Park. Yeah. Um, and who says that it's the guy in blue outside explains that it's like a criminal den? 
Yeah. Uh, it's a red guy. Oh. But, oh, no, there's a blue guy. You're right. No, I'm okay. thinking of the red guy because the red guy is like in on it. He's like, yeah, he's the boss of the park. He does crime, but it's fine. It's like okay. the the implication that the, the the read I always got is it's like, yeah, he's like the crime boss, but he's like the good crime boss that's like, mm. you know, helping the community. Uh, yes. It, the, again, it feels like there is an episode of, I don't know, the Rockford Files or something where this very specific sort of uh, setup of the crime boss who is the valued member of the community is portrayed in this way that Earthbound is cribbing from. I get that sense. Yeah. But I don't, I, I have seen almost every episode of the Rockford Files and I can't think of one that matches. So it's probably some other show, maybe the Golden Girls. There's another guy who says, of course, Everdread isn't a good person, but he's actually quite warm-hearted for a crime boss. And, of course, there's a joke. Like, the whole joke here is he's a crime boss, but he's a good guy. And yet, I think that Earthbound is kind of making the point that the a sharp distinction between good people and bad people isn't an accurate way of viewing the world. Mm -hmm. There are people and they do bad things and they do good things, but treating like saying, well, there's this line and you're either on this side of the line or in this side of the line uh, that doesn't work out. And, you know, it's easy for a video game to fall into that dichotomy of thinking because in video games, there are NPCs, you know, who are mostly good people. They help you out. They tell you what's going on. And then there are bad people. There are the ones that you fight and you mm. defeat them. You cause them to be dead so that they can't keep being bad. And in Earthbound, like especially Everdread, mm -hmm. he's a monster who attacks you and bites you. You beat him up. But then he's like, sorry about that. Uh, let me help you out. And viewing him as a good guy or a bad guy doesn't make sense. And I think that's the case for most characters in this game. Yeah. Yeah, and and the stereotype of the character is not necessarily true. It's another yeah. way of putting it. Like, And in, in the opposite way, the cops, who <laughs> you would think a char this character should trust, are well, they're also going to fight you. <laughs> and they're also yeah. going to eventually uh, accept you and let you go on your way. But, yeah. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> anything um, could happen. I, it, it kind of puts the lie to the idea that, or the assumption that battling someone is the way that you like eliminate them from the world. You yeah, know? like the violence does solve problems, but <laughs> not by you know just stopping people from existing. Yeah. Um, it, it kind of, you knock some sense into people and then they're like, you know what? I will let you walk from this town to another town. Yeah, or they turn back to normal. <laughs> or it's just an expression of, like, action. Because in an RPG, you don't necessarily yeah. have that many actions you can do. Right. Yeah. And so one of the big verbs that we have here is fight. And right. 
were able to propel the story forward by doing a fight, even if that fight is between people who are otherwise fairly amicable to each other. Mm. Huh. Not that we're, like, full-blown, like, you know, friendly. No, well, I, there, there's, no tur- there's no tournament arc in Earthbound or anything like that. But. No. Mm. Well, in real life, people fight, and then they make up. Well, yeah, and and I, like, I'm hesitant to. <laughs> I guess, like, the, the TV equivalent is that you meet someone new, you're going to butt heads for a second or lock horns Mm. so to speak um and then you find out that you have common ground and Mm. you can move on to the second act where you work together yeah like when an fbi agent comes to a small town and has a conflict with the local sheriff very much so then the sheriff punches him and then they're best friends yeah (laughs) wow Hmm. so what what is this game we're playing oh berglund park um, even though there's a mall in this town with a lot of different shops, there's a bunch of extra little shops out here in Berglund Park. There's the guy who sells condiments. And then this game has this whole stupid system with condiments that merits more attention than we have time mm. for. Um, do we want to talk about condiments? I don't. I feel like, despite the fact that I've played this game many times, I really don't fully understand the condiment <laughs> system or its use. So, yeah, no. I, n- I never used them. I think I understood how they worked, but I decided, like, they take up too much inventory space. Yeah. If the game gave you, like, a Ziploc bag. Yeah. To, like, keep all the condiments in. That would be perfect. The mo- the, the Earthbound remake drastically revamps the condiment mm. system. Uh, Don't talk to me about an Earthbound remake because I'm in a really <laughs> bad mood. Oh, but I mean it in the in the jokey terms of like, if it was a Final Fantasy VII remake situation no, where they only I understand adapt- Zach. Oh, You're trying okay. to make a joke. It's I funny. can't have a sense of humor about it. All right, fair <laughs> enough. Moving on. Uh, there's a guy who has sold all his stuff or is just tired of selling stuff, and we'll sell you his for sale sign, which is really funny by yeah. itself. Yeah. And yet it is a game mechanic. Because if you own this for sale sign, then you can just use it out in the desert and some rando will run up to you and buy something off of you. Hmm. And it's supposed to be like a kind of palliative for your limited inventory space, I guess, right? Yeah, probably. But it still takes up space. Yep. Yep. It's bad. I I, buy the for sale I have taken to using it in more huh. recent years. Hmm. I guess as soon as you get something new and your inventory is full, you just use it and then sell the thing that the thing you want the least. <laughs> yeah, hmm. it's also just very rewarding to be like in a dungeon and then you put the yeah. sign up and then somebody yeah. does the cool pathing programming to get to you. Mm, yeah, that's that is cool. Um, I guess. Also, you have stands for, like, bananas and, like, eggs. You'll never get through your teen years without an egg. At least, <laughs> at least one egg. Yeah, that egg salesperson is very, has a lot of pressure. I greatly enjoy there being this little, like, flea market. I like yeah. this a lot. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you really don't expect most of the stuff to be useful. And a lot of it isn't. <laughs> yeah, there's a guy who will sell you a protractor. Is it ruler yeah. at this point? There's a protractor later on. 
Gruller? That sounds familiar. There is the guy who will sell you junk. And he's like, a creative guy would be able to do something with this. Mm. <laughs> Which is an interesting an interesting worldview to be like, I I am not equipped to handle this. I really need to sell this to someone mm. who can do something better with it. Yeah, but you can't throw it away because it could be useful. Yes, yes. And in fact, this guy sells at least one thing that Jeff can repair later. But I'm so stingy with my inventory space that I'm actually planning to (laughs) walk back here Mm. with Jeff later. Mm -hmm. Good. Walking is good for you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, If you go close enough to Everdred's house, he will jump off the roof. And attack yeah, you. dude. He's wow. just been hanging. He's just hanging out up on his roof. It's cool. It's really cool. <laughs> I mean, I I'm talking too much about this game being like a TV show, but this is an action scene worthy of a TV show. Mm-hmm. That this weird guy is just going to leap off his roof as you see him. Um, but it, like, and it, it works better here because. It happens in a cartoony fashion, and also it has the top-down camera, so it's perfect. And he says, why don't we chat later after we've locked horns, and now you're just going to get in a fistfight with this guy, this weird guy. Mm-hmm. And he's not too bad. He's not too bad. He does bite you. Ooh. This is an optional fight, and I always forget this. I had to look this up. Oh, uh, you can I technically skip doing this entirely and just move on to rescuing Paula. All this stuff mm. you're talking about. Like, huh. if you've played the game or if you've read the player's guide, you know that your next goal is to go find and rescue Paula. And mm. you could just skip all this. Wow. But it is very fun. And it's very likely that you're going to walk in here and trigger the Everdread fight before you do anything else anyways. Hmm. Yeah, the trigger plane is pretty big. I was trying to avoid it when I (laughs) triggered it, so it's not like I went (laughs) looking for a fight. You're playing the game and you're like, why is that guy on that roof? And you get close and it's like, oh, he's on that roof because he's waiting to fight you. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, you beat him and he twists, he says, uh, uh, I forget what he says, but he admits that he twisted his ankle when you jumped off the roof, which is a good point. He says, when I jumped off the roof, I twisted my ankle. Anyway, I lost and nothing will change that. <laughs> and uh he gives you the skinny which is that uh Paula was abducted by those weirdos from the happy happiest cult and they were talking about making her some sort of human sacrifice yikes and these guys were hardcore strange that is pretty strange. That's kind of scary. When he says these guys were hardcore strange, I think that there is a tendency in certain video games and maybe everywhere in life to do um, like you're writing a character who's supposed to be casual and kind of cool and but you end up expressing that with a tone of voice and vocabulary choices 
that don't resemble anything in the real world. And so a lot of like attempts at being casual and kind of silly come off as being really forced, quirky mm-hmm. dialogue. But when Everett Dredd says that the cultists were hardcore strange, I think of like that's really just writing in a quirky but normal way that doesn't grate on my ear at all mm-hmm. for me anyway. And I'm sure everyone agrees. Yeah. Probably. Um, now that we know our goal, are we going to head that way yet? Uh, I, I'm inclined to head that way because I have a feeling of where the correct cliffhanger for this episode is. Okay. I think we agree. Okay. Okay. So I forget who says, but we are we understand that the happy, happy village is on the other side of Peaceful Rest Valley. So we better head to Peaceful Rest Valley. It's through the cave on the east side of town. Sounds so, like a really nice place. <laughs> it has... <laughs> we are not supposed to talk about the translation, but taking Grateful Dead Valley and turning <laughs> that into Peaceful Rest Valley <laughs> is a stroke of genius. Yeah. And it somehow has the perfect sense of being like, you could call a an actual place in the world peaceful rest valley like it's it's not too absurd it's extremely like settlers at some point named it this and we just are stuck with that name Mm -hmm. for the rest of eternity and yet it is ominous it doesn't like it's like sudden valley yeah Mm -hmm. development Mm -hmm. but it's a different valley it's peaceful rest valley and we're gonna go through a cave and there are more mushrooms and sprouts in the cave. Dang it. We exit the cave and now we're in Peaceful Rest Valley and the music gets ominous for sure. Mm. This is not a fun place to be. And there are UFOs and stuff. We'll talk about it in more detail later because we can't get very far. Because pretty soon there is a thing in the way that is a giant metal pencil. Yep. For some reason. For some reason, somehow, Palpatine returned and put a pencil here. And all we can do is walk away. I like how this is a thing that video games have forgotten how to do. To put an obstacle in your way and let you figure out that there's nothing you can do about it. Mm. Because the thing to do in a video game now is for some voice somewhere in the game to say you you're gonna have to handle this later you have to come back with something else you, there's nothing you can do um and you know i guess that's a good thing in places but let's like, we're not allowed to have the experience of figuring out for yourself that you can't do anything with this obstacle anyway i'm gonna go back through that cave gonna fight some more mushrooms and just as i return to Tucson, where the air is clean, my phone rings. Gasp! It's, a- <laughs> it's Apple Kid, and oh. he has a really amazing discovery. 